when believers in Jesus around the world are persecuted for their faith, it often takes its toll on families. Family members may end up visiting loved ones in prison. I would just say, Lord, you know, how am I going to encourage him? Or if I'm this discouraged, how can I begin to help him? In some cases, those loved ones simply disappear. The hardest part is not knowing where he is. And some family members are grieving the loss of loved ones who have given up their lives for the gospel. And when he reportedly died being shot by bow and arrow, we were just, we were just devastated. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I'm Todd Nettleton, and I'm excited because today we're going to go back and relive some of the most moving moments on VOM Radio from 2019. We began this process last week. We're going to continue it today. Some of the most moving stories we heard this year came from Asia. So that's where we're going to start today. I had the opportunity to sit down with the leader of an unregistered church in the People's Republic of China. For his security, we didn't use his real name. We called him Brother Enfu which means blessing in Mandarin. We asked about all the surveillance the Chinese government uses to monitor church activities. Brother Enfu said, sure, that's a nuisance. Sure, we have to be aware of that. Brother Enfu, though, considers it another way to share the gospel. When we preach, it's almost like we have additional audience. (laughs) So we are mindful of that too, that they need to hear the gospel too. I'm thinking of... Uh, the past many pastors now will greet the people watching on the internet. You know, thank you, welcome to service. And by the way, if you're watching on the internet, you could almost say, <laughs> and by the way, if you're at the government and you're watching, welcome this morning. There you go. When you walk on the street, you have a high definition video recorder. Subway, you have even the audio recorder. Everything's recorded. Your cell phone, the technology of the cell phone is amazing how it can be tracked. Nothing that the pastor can do to, to, to outmaneuver them. And therefore, pastors just have to, like us, we just have to live our life according to what we do as Christians. Just do what we do is right. That means I think it's more important that we don't secretly sin or make a fake externally. Oh, we're Christian. We smile and have everything good with our wives. And then at home, we fight if the government is looking, uh, looking at our, our camera through the camera and say, oh, here's a Christian pastor. He's nice uh, in the church, but at home he's beating his wife. He's rude to his wife. He's angry all the time. So that's just a bad testimony. So one time in the, in the, in the conference, I told the pastors, you all watch 24 hours. The government knows if you love your wife or not. <laughs> so love your wife. Be a good example to love your wives in public and in private. That's a good reminder to all of us from Brother Enfu, our Chinese brother. People are watching to see whether we live out our faith, whether our actions match our words. Along with Brother Enfu, we talked with the pastor of another unregistered church in China 
for his security, you're just going to hear the voice of his translator. I asked him, what is it about the church that's such a threat to the Communist Party and the government in China? It's because of the growth of the Christianity in China. So the number of Christians we have now in China is about more, or more than 110 million. So the, this number has overly like exceeded the number of communism parties they have in China. When the police, around 40 and 50 police came to our church, um, they took our stuff and took away the pastor. The second time when they came, they have about 150 to 200, 200 police. They have, they tri- triple, triple the wow. number. So I was there, but uh, not only me, my wife was there. And also there's another pastor there. So they took away my wife and they took away, um, or took, or they beat another pastor and took him away. I told them not to resist them too harshly. We can't gather. We're being chased out by the house rent owner. So we're looking for places, new places. Another way a government can persecute followers of Jesus is at their place of employment. As we continue looking back on the most moving moments from 2019 here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we're going to hear from Brother Josh from Kamu Christian Connection. He told us about a man in Laos we're calling Pastor P. Before he became a pastor, this young man wanted to go into education. Pastor P got high grades in high school and wanted to be a school teacher. And, you know, in, in, in Laos, in, in the communist, being a school teacher is a respectable job because, you know, eventually you could get good pay, good pension. In his village, there, there was already a church. There was already some sort of solid foundation of Christianity in, in that village already. And so the pastor evangelized him, and he accepted Christ. But as a school teacher, that's risky. That's really dangerous. That's really dangerous. This principal came down, had a meeting with him, you know, in the office, and said, you have your choices here. You know, number one, you either renounce your faith, continue your job, or number two, we'll bleed you. You know, like either like bleed you to, to, to quit, either you... Your salary won't be on time. You you know you won't get a promotion. You know you're going to be laughed at, and eventually you might want to quit. Well, he didn't choose any of that and just quit altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Had the passion, went to Chiang Mai, Thailand, studied about for four years, and he met his wife there because his wife was a student also at Bible school with us. And now, eight years later, pastor at a vibrant house church, 150, and just last year, right, January to December, 78 people to Christ that he led. You know, sometimes the cost of following Jesus is even higher than losing a job. As we review some of the most meaningful programs of 2019 here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, Dr. Eric Foley tells us the story of Pastor Han. He was a pastor in China working with North Koreans who had crossed the border into China. And Pastor Han had traveled to South Korea, a safe country for a meeting with Dr. Eric Foley. So there we were talking with Pastor Han. We knew with almost certainty that he was going to be kidnapped. And so that was the question. What do we do? Do we relocate your family? Do we, you know, do we have you lay low for a while? What he knew was, he said, the good shepherd cares for the sheep. So he knew where he needed to be. He knew that if, if he was not there, other people would pay the price for his absence, that, it, that there would be not just him who would be kidnapped, but there would, could potentially be dozens of people 
who could be interrogated both inside of North Korea and outside of North Korea. He knew he needed to go back and he needed to care for the flock that the Lord had entrusted to him. It was the, one of the hardest conversations I can remember at 18 years of ministry was to see him from the back, walking out the door. My wife saw him with one of our workers just a few weeks before all of this happened with his martyrdom. And and he was peaceful. He was filled with joy. He was calm. He was continuing to pray every morning. He was continuing to take care of his family. But on April 30th, he received a phone call. The phone call came from a, a person who had been to our discipleship base, a North Korean whom he had met and discipled, who it turned out was a person who had provided information to the North Korean government and had really had no choice but was being co-opted into this operation. And they contacted Pastor Han. They said, We're, I'm in an extreme situation. I need to see you right away, right on the border. Come help me. And the shepherd will not desert the sheep. The shepherd didn't desert so the sheep. So the sheep called and he went. And he went. And he went to the border. And when he went to the border, um, he was he was met as he stepped out of the car by these three North Korean state security agents. And they have these little stiletto knives and they do their jobs very quickly, very quietly. It's once up through the heart, once across the artery in the neck. And, um, and they're gone. But in this case, you can see the hatred that they had for Pastor Han because they also stabbed him through the crown of the skull seven times. They placed him back in the car to, to have him bleed out. And so when he was discovered, uh, there was just the thick, thick blood, the floor of the automobile. But the one thing that they could not take away was the expression on his face. The expression on his face was not an expression of agony. It was not an expression of fear. He had uh, the most amazing calm expression on his face. Pastor Han came to the end of his life trying to tell others about Jesus and expressing the peace that comes through relationship with him, the peace that passes all understanding. When you hear stories like the ones we've been hearing today, maybe it seems like these persecuted believers are, are some kind of superhero, like they have some extra faith or extra ability to endure persecution and love their enemies, something that you and I don't have. The story of Andrew and Noreen Brunson gives us maybe a picture that more of us can identify with. Pastor Brunson was imprisoned for two years in Turkey, and he struggled to maintain his joy in prison. Maybe a lot like you think you would struggle to maintain your joy. If you missed our interviews with the Brunsons, I hope you'll go to vomradio.net and listen. This story will encourage you to be faithful, even when the circumstances you're in don't make sense. And maybe it feels like God is far away from you. Noreen was arrested along with Andrew in Turkey. After she was released, local church leaders urged her to leave the country. But she stayed so that she could visit Andrew in prison and remind him of the truth. For each week, I would try to prepare and gather any encouraging news. And weeks when, especially if I had no encouraging news or almost nothing to tell him, I would just say, Lord, you know, how am I going to encourage him? Or if I'm this discouraged, how can I begin to help him? You know, Lord, for better or for worse, I'm going in now. You know, anoint me, give me something to give to him. And and I would come out not knowing many times if I had been able to mm -hmm. encourage him sufficiently or not. But, you know, you do, you, you ask the Lord to help and you just do the best you can. Were there people helping you carry the weight? Because sure. he's he's 
unburdening himself to you, you're walking out of prison. I can imagine you're thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to carry this? What did it mean to have people come alongside you? I mean, to have people praying all over the world, and it was growing. I think I we probably weren't aware of the extent to which the prayer was happening, but nonetheless, I knew of many people who were praying, and that that's huge. That was just huge. The church there where I was, my brothers and sisters there were standing with me, and the times of prayer and worship, and it was just really pressing into God. So no, I was, I was not alone. Sometimes Pastor Andrew Brunson did feel alone in prison. He even sometimes wondered if he was losing his sanity. He writes about this in his book, God's Hostage. Again, I hope you'll listen to my whole conversation with Andrew and Noreen Brunson at vomradio.net. We're going to skip toward the end of the story after the Lord had allowed Andrew to go through a season of real struggle. He had just gone through a trial in Turkey that had not ended in his release. Well, it was a very low point for me. So I had been pressing into God for months, and I was knocked down again. I was put in an isolation cell. I was just broken again. Now I wasn't accusing God like I did at the beginning. Now I was saying, oh, Lord, why, why did you let this happen? Why have you let them bring me back to this place where I was so broken before? Where are you? Because he's still silent. Why are you so silent? And I'm weeping. I'm weeping in my solitary confinement cell in this high-security, very intense, traumatic prison. And what comes out, even in my weeping, I, I hear myself saying, it surprised me. I hear myself saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And the thought that came to my mind right on the heels of this is, wait, it's like a sudden realization, wait, this is my victory. This is a victory. I didn't plan it, this is, but this is a victory. Because at this very low point, what was really in my heart was coming out. This is why I say I don't want my story to be one of just brokenness and prison and darkness. Someone said to me later as I was explaining this silence of God, the, the difficulty I had with this, said to me, you know, Andrew, maybe God gave you, God gave you a gift that he showed you your heart. God knew that I would make it through. I didn't. Love can be completely sincere and real. And yet, if it hasn't been tested, then it's not proven love. And I think that what happened here, what God gave to me as a gift, said, Andrew, your love has been tested. It's been through the fire. And it's, it's true and sincere. It's real. Like it was before as well. But now it's been through the fire. And now it's a proven love. That's Pastor Andrew Brunson. My conversation with him and his wife, Noreen, are some of the memorable moments we've had here in 2019 on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You know, the Brunson's case was widely known around the world. It was reported on by all the mainstream media channels. I'm so grateful that we had the opportunity to bring you the story 
through the lens of the gospel, which is not something that you heard everywhere about the Brunson story. You know, the same is true for the story of John Chow. His death was widely reported after he attempted to make contact with the people of North Sentinel Island to share the gospel with them. The people of North Sentinel Island are a completely isolated culture. As John approached the island, he was shot at with arrows. He was eventually killed on the island. This incident was misunderstood by a lot of people after John's death. And on the one-year anniversary of his death, we were able to get some additional insights by talking with Dr. Mary Ho. She's the International Executive Leader of All Nations, which is the missions organization that sent John Chow to North Sentinel Island. And she helped us get to know what John Chow was really like. Well, John Chow, he was a young man who, since he was 18 years old, uh, knew that God had called him to share the love of Jesus with the North Sentinelese. And he has basically made all his major decisions around that calling. So, for example, when he went to college, he majored in health, in sports medicine, because he wanted to prepare himself to go to the North Sentinelese. He got himself trained in uh, wilderness training, emergency medical training. He went to SIL, Summer Institute of Linguistics, to get trained in linguistics. Uh, He would read about like 40, 50, 60 books in anthropology a year just to prepare himself. We knew where he was going was hard, it was dangerous. We knew there was high risk. And when he, he reportedly died being shot by bow and arrow, we were just, we were just devastated. You know, we've just celebrated the Christmas season, a time when most people expect to get together with friends and family. It is a joyful time, but it can also remind us of loss when the people we love aren't with us anymore. That's true for the family of John Chow, the young man who was martyred on North Sentinel Island. Dr. Mary Ho has been sharing his story with us. That loss is also felt by Rasheen Sudmond. Her father was Hossein Sudmond, a pastor in Iran. In 1990, when Rasheen was 13 years old, her father was martyred, paying the ultimate price for sharing the gospel of Jesus in Iran. Rasheen looks back and tells us some of what she remembers about her father. He would spend time individually with each one of us. um, For instance, he he would take me to coffee shop and had a restaurant and had a quality time with me as well. Although he had quality time with the whole family, but it was important for him to have a quality time with each one of us as a, as his children. So that that is what it's important for me when I remember him as my father. That's Rasheen Sudmond remembering her father, Pastor Hossein Sudmond. He gave his life in Iran for sharing the good news about Jesus. Rashid knows what it's like to go through the tragedy and the pain of losing a father. Esther Coe knows what it's like to go through a different kind of tragedy, 
one that's still so painful. In Esther's case, she doesn't know whether her father is alive or dead. Pastor Raymond Coe was ministering in Malaysia almost three years ago. He was abducted, and he has not been seen or heard from since. As we review some of the most moving moments on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2019, we're going to hear from a family on the front lines of persecution. We'll hear from Esther Coe and from her mom, Susanna, who are still trying to find out what happened to Pastor Raymond Coe. We'll start with Susanna. We miss him a lot. And the, the hardest part is not knowing where he is, what happened to him, and how he's doing right now. And uh, I've gone for some counseling, and that really helped. And right now, my children are going for counseling because the, this has taken a toll on them, physically as well as, I think, um, emotionally and psychologically. But we, we thank God for the Christian community and also the worldwide church that has been an encouragement to us. And they, they have uh, expressed their support through press and sending postcards to us and I think that that really lifts up our spirits and and encourage us uh, in many ways yes here is Susanna's daughter Esther I feel sad that they would do something like that mm-hmm. but because there's no closure we don't know what they have done exactly mm-hmm. How do you forgive right. uh, someone whom you don't know who they are and what they have done? The case is not closed. You don't know everything, so it's hard to forgive what you don't know what has happened, and you don't know who. You don't know who the people are. I want to encourage people, and we always encourage people, to pray for different situations, and we have had people praying for you and your family, and I know you've gotten some of the cards. How can we pray for for your family and for you two and a half years since your father was abducted? Please pray that, first of all, that Raymond will be found and he will be released, and also pray for wisdom for the family as we deal with the government and the police and also please pray for our government that they will do the right thing and find Raymond. Amen. That's Esther Ko, a daughter who loves her dad and is trying to discover what happened after his abduction almost three years ago. She has given us some ways to pray and I hope that you will pray for Susanna and Raymond and Esther and their family. I also hope that you'll take some time and sign your name to the petition that VOM launched on behalf of Raymond Co. It is online at releaseraymond.com. Again, that website, releaseraymond.com. Take a few minutes, sign that petition, demanding that the Malaysian government account for the whereabouts of this Christian pastor. 
You know, each week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we try to equip you to pray for persecuted believers around the world. If you appreciate the insights that you've heard today and the insights about how to pray more effectively, I hope you'll dig into the archives at vomradio.net. You can find my complete conversation with Susanna and Esther Coe and all of the guests that you've heard today on VOM Radio. We're calling this the best of 2019, but sadly, we didn't have time to review all the programs I would have liked because it was such a full year of blessing and ministry here at Voice of the Martyrs Radio. So I hope you'll go to the archives at vomradio.net and dig in and listen to some of the great conversations we've had this year. Next week, we're going to start the new year by hearing from Jonathan Ekman. He's the Vice President for International Ministry here at The Voice of the Martyrs. We're going to talk about VOM's overseas work in 2020. We're going to talk about some of the challenges, some of the things that Jonathan is excited about, and we're going to equip you to pray for VOM and for our workers who travel into and out of hostile and restricted nations around the world. Please join us again next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.